Memorial Day, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. Give us that five-star review. I say it every time. I know you want to do it. Get it done. And as always, we taught judging in MMA. Head on over to abcboxing.com and read the scoring criteria. So, Dan, we are without any live fights to break down. There was, of course, fights going on all weekend long. Uh, We decided to give ourselves the holiday weekend off with UFC not in action. So uh, we're recording this early before all that action goes down. So if there is some sort of crazy robbery... That happens somewhere uh, in England or... or uh, only, only KSW, I think, is any of, of the so-called major promotions. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't even looked ahead because, honestly, I gave myself the weekend off. So nice. uh, we're, we're less concerned with that this week. Uh, I'm sure there were fantastic fights, uh, as there always are. And mm-hmm. uh, sure can point you in the right direction to what was fantastic. Yeah, we, got, we got CFFC that happened on Friday. That's true. That's true. I saw Dean Thomas was going to be uh, commentating there. That's cool. I mean, I'm going to be there, too. So, I mean, who, who's cooler to meet, me or Dean Thomas? I mean, I'll let you take your pick if you're going to be there. That's right. You did. Or if you were there. You actually. did uh, You did ask me to go, and I said no because I'm working, and I was, didn't think I'd be able to get the day off. It's so. kind of weird talking in the past sense when it, the future hasn't happened yet. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to my world. <laughs> Welcome to my world, sir. But you know what? We can we this much we can talk about that was in the past. And now, you know, we're several days removed from it here, but as we record, this uh was very recent. Ariel Hawani on the MMA hour had CSAC head Andy Foster on his program. And I thought that was a very uh fascinating guest to have on. Yeah, I think that that was a great guest. Uh Ariel seems to be diving into this space a little bit. Oh, I mean, so, he's gone all in with yeah. with, with uh, the officiating and, and judging that kind of thing. But it is very specifically targeted toward this open scoring push that he's been very vocal about. He's been on it, yeah. And I, I don't know how long back it really goes, but he's definitely been uh, very deep into it, very big into it for, what, maybe a year or something like that. Uh, maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's more. I'm not sure. But, yeah, he's been beating the drum pretty loudly. Yes, he has. Now, obviously, him you know, and him and Sean Sheehan go back they, and forth they quite, are, off quite a bit. They are so. on total opposite ends of that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I at this point, I've, I've come around on open scoring. I know what it is. It's not a judging fix. It's by any stretch. Um, I just see the value of it from a fighter. So it's really just a fighter friendly perspective uh, that I see it as it, judging and all that entertainment value that all comes secondary to the fact that the fighters, the ones who are trying to earn the living that way, I just feel like ought to know what it is, but there, like it's not, it's not a clean cut thing. I, I certainly would admit it's not a clean cut thing. I think, I feel like what you have is, is on both sides, you got kind of each side digging its heels in, right? Yeah. You know, and I can see why, you know, from one perspective, Ariel, Seems to truly believe this is what the sport needs. He's kind of all about it. Uh, Sean, for example, is is extremely against it, and, and I don't think he'd probably want to uh, dive in with with kind of any sort of acknowledgments of like, yeah, you know, maybe you can do this kind of too. He's very quick to if there is something not going on that he or going on that he doesn't like, he'd rather focus on that. And I can understand if if he thinks it's going to ruin the sport, uh, and he seems very convinced that it would. This this is kind of fighting tooth and nail to defend that. Yeah, I mean, I was oh, I was for it a hundred percent, and now I'm kind of coming off that a little bit. So you've wavered. So, but yeah, you, you you weren't originally on it. Now and then you were, and now you're coming back. I'm coming back towards middle. Like okay. I don't know. I I thought both sides against it make better points. I guess. Like Andy Foster made the point that the judges will find out how their you know their co colleagues are are scoring the fight and. and he knows they won't do it intentionally, but they may just balance it. Yeah, if they're completely on the minority side, it's a tricky thing, right? Um, you do have to mitigate that, and I think he brings up he brought up a good point, Andy. Uh, Andy did during his appearance on on the MMA Hour because he was saying basically like we've seen it in boxing, or he's seen it in boxing, where 
when they do have open scoring, they do try to balance out. If there's like close rounds, they they if they know that there's a chance, maybe to even subconsciously, not not even right. purposefully, that they will try to you know maybe just change it so that they can get on the same page with scores like that. I guess I can understand that. Nobody wants to stand on their own if they can help it. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. But you do have to, if you're going to do it, obviously you need to find a, a way to pr- built in protection for that kind of thing. So I would think it would involve some sort of, you can't put it on any sort of feed in the arena. You can't have the fans in the arena see it. It wouldn't work. So, what I was, t- I, I saw on Twitter, uh, Adam Rohrbach tweeted that it's a requirement that each judge has a clean feed. There's no overlays of anything right. on their personal feed yes. at the table. So yeah, and and obviously that is primary. You know that that is objective number one. That has to be the case. So you wouldn't put it on for anything that they saw. But that also includes, of course, anything that's in the arena, even just for the fans. Now, granted, part of that is because the judges, in theory, could look up at it. Uh, although if you caught them looking up at the at the board when there was a time if it was on camera, that would be a bad look. But the real reason I think you can't put it up anywhere in the arena for the fans in the arena is because once they do and they see it, they can react and that can tell judges something too, maybe. Well, also say, I mean, I know in, in Kansas, you don't see, you just see the, the judge, you don't see the name or whatever, but they can react and the corner can be like, are you kidding me? Sure. Lost that round and then you're probably going to hear it. You're, you're in close proximity. It's true. So, I mean, finding out uh, that you're not on the right pay, I think it's it's going to happen more often than it wouldn't. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly tricky. I understand that. I, I like it from the perspective that the fighter knows where they stand, but I also like the argument that the fighter should know what scores. They should know the criteria. They should know what what judges are looking for. Well, you know, so, it's not I don't think it's on the fighter so much because the fighter is in there trying to do one job. I think that realistically there ought to be it's the corner yeah. that needs to more fairly evaluate it. You know, the fighter who's in there, I mean, they'll probably know if they're losing and they'll probably know if they're definitely winning. But then there's a lot of room in the middle where it's like, okay, I think I'm winning, but you know, how, how much does that really feel like? You know, I think there mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of fighters who were pretty convinced that they won a round and realistically it was either close or maybe it didn't go their way or something like that. And I think it doesn't just come from overconfidence. It's just you, you feel like what you're doing is working, you know, mm-hmm. and it, you don't feel like you're getting super hurt. So why shouldn't you win the round? But you need somebody who's on the outside looking at it in a little more, you know, objective kind of way as much as you can being in someone's corner and providing that i feel like every corner would benefit from having someone who's in the corner and all their job is is to just kind of gauge where the fight is in terms of what that what happened in that round i was just gonna say that yeah yeah Yeah. steal your thunder no 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 you didn't steal no thunder i was just we're on the same page all right i like that i do do like that that we're on the same page i feel like that happens after we know each other for so long (laughs) Well, eleven years I've known you. I feel like. Oh. I think I, I think I came to training in 2011. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. Mm-hmm. I competed in Naga in 2012, and that was eight months after I started. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I won a 30-man tournament at that one. Bam. Don't, don't look it up. Yep. I was second out of 14. Actually, that that I'm very proud of, and that is really true. <laughs> um, with one finish, I had one finish. Guillotine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we we know each other a long time. I feel like we're we're well, almost like an old married couple in a yeah. sense, right? <laughs> now go do the laundry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think one of the things that really impressed me, uh, not so much impressed. It's not really that. It's more just. One of the things that I'm glad was brought up, and it actually started becoming a little bit of a topic and a talking point in and of itself during and after Andy's appearance, was the timidity rule. Mm-hmm. Discussing the underutilization of penalizing timidity in mixed martial arts. And I think there's really something to it. Now, that's whether you have open scoring or not, whether you have, you know, pen- penalties and, and, and or, or maybe more wide scoring ranges and that kind of thing. You need to start penalizing timidity because, like Andy's saying, the judges need something to score. And we've been seeing a lot more fights lately there where there's really nothing to score. And I don't think that's the case with, you know, Holly Holm and, and Ketlin Vieira the other day. That round three, especially the one that we're really talking about, things are happening in that round. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stuff to evaluate. But, you know, think back to like Logan Storley uh, and 
Michael Venom Page. That was that was definitely a lot of like not a whole lot to score. Carlos Barza getting the win over uh, Rose Nami Yunus the second time. Not a whole lot to score in a lot of those rounds. Who do you penalize? That is, that is the real question because like what? What are you going to do? You take a point from both women or both men? And you're in the it, same spot. It, yeah. It doesn't really do anything. Um, so that's kind of, that's the real tricky part with that. My thinking is, and I, I think I voiced this to you already. This was something that I, I was having a conversation with somebody recently about this, and it kind of just, just spitballing ideas. It's not something I'm like, you know, diving headfirst into, but- no one likes the 10 eights as far as, you know, officiating and stuff, right? Officials don't like 10 eights. Commissions don't like 10 eights, especially. Uh, you and I have come around to 10 eights are not necessarily there. You got to pick a winner, right? You, 10 tens, you mean? 10 tens. Excuse me. Yes, I'm, I'm misspeaking. <laughs> this all is about 10, 10 tens. 10 tens. Thank you, sir. Because uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, 10 tens are really, essentially, you're not supposed to have them. The, the commissions don't want them. but Basically, they're for partial rounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in practice, and that's what we see. But my thinking is that maybe their purpose would be best to use, if you're going to use them at all, it should be for rounds like, let's say, Esparza, Nami Yunus round one, where neither mm -hmm. woman does enough to take the round like no one no one comes out of that round and you sitting there watching and feel like well at least they got something done in there they 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 definitely did enough to take the round no one deserved that round same thing with a couple of those rounds in in Storley and Page right no one really deserved i i those can't rounds. i can't stand that he likes when people are booing because that means he's doing the what he's supposed to be yeah that yeah. is so annoying see that's the thing there like you there should be is... dq'd after that statement but that's the thing if if you have the rules the way they are and the way 10 10s are the way they are then that's what we're looking at mm. right that is that's a byproduct of that the way you eliminate that potentially as i'm still kind of again sorting this idea out and it's kind of spitballing and wondering what people think of it if you can say and define it, you'd have to define it in the criteria. It's not defined right now. You'd have to change that. It would have to be agreed upon. But if you can go into the criteria and say, look, if neither fighter does enough in a low output round to distance themselves and really deserve the round, the language will be shaped. I'm not, I'm, this isn't what you'd write down, but more or less it should target that idea. You can use a 10-10 in those scenarios. I feel like it will still be exceptionally rare. Yeah, I think it would still be pretty rare. I think it would be very rare, and I think its mere presence and application in the first few times would hopefully move away from anyone even needing it again anyway. But I think it would be a good deterrent. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at with it. I, I, I feel like it sounds like a good idea. I'm interested in more feedback on this idea that I've just kind of been spitballing. You know, what, what's, your, what's your reaction? I like... Uh... I like the idea. I think you mentioned something that, you know, the referee should have a uh, a play in it kind of. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when we were when we were spitballing or something like that, I would say maybe that the referee could have to like put a signal out there saying like, you know, warning of timidity for both fighters or something like mm -hmm. that and say, "Okay, maybe that that like green lights it." I don't even know that it necessarily has to be there. Like you can you can still have the ref. Again, I I do like the idea of a referee um implementing the timidity rule much more frequently anyway, and hopefully it avoids that problem like if you get stood up that's a timidity warning i don't know i guess that depends it depends on on because that's that's officiated so irregularly depending on the official right but i think that's that's almost everything fouls finishes everything is kind of i guess ref, but, uh, but but you know what there's some refs that won't do it at all even if it's kind of a, a mandate a, well, i'm sure i like that like, but that, you get stuck there you can you know, find a way up but also the guy in the top has to do something I don't know. The The problem I have with that, though, is the fact that you're just now you're getting real luck of the draw stuff. And I think it, it, I'll tell you just for, remember when when we had uh, John Anik on our show a couple of years ago, he was talking about and he's spoken about this on other shows and other places, too, that it drives him crazy. The inconsistency yeah. with officiating. And I agree. I think, look, there's there's a certain human element to it in the way things are going to get done. Right. But for something like that, where it's actually going to start really affecting the scoring, it's like, I don't know, man, then it gets a little tougher. So I, it, realistically, it should just be case by case basis. I, let the let the referees decide that, you know, if timidity is kind of the thing here, you know. But, yeah, it's it definitely needs uh, some spitballing, some 
thinking here, maybe there's something I'm missing that maybe this isn't a good idea. You know, I, I'm certainly open to that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a, uh, an evangelist for this idea, but I, I think it's worth considering. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. I don't know how it's going to be received. Well, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. You know what? If you're out there and you're listening and you have any thoughts on this idea, by all means, please DM me, tweet me, whatever. Um, happy to hear your feedback and either share it or keep it private. That's fine. I just, you know, I, I like I like to kind of think about ways we can improve the sport, and maybe that is one way where, to a small degree, we can work to eliminate things like Storley Page uh, going down the way it did, or or Esparza and, and I'm a Eunice number two. We don't want fights like that. Nobody wants fights like that. So if we can find ways that avoid that, I feel like that's a good thing, right? Do you think? I just this just came to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a bad idea. If they gave corners a way to challenge, say something like, hey, they're not doing anything. No, bad idea. Yeah, okay. Bad idea. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is, who, who, are you, who are you appealing to? It's the referee in the cage, right? Right, yeah. Now the referee has to look away from the action just to deal with what's going on there. Well, even, even the divergence of attention, right? Because, I mean, what would it be? Like, they'd call timeout? No, no, not timeout. Just saying, saying something like, they're not working, like. Do something. I feel like they do that anyway. I know, but I mean, like in a more of official capacity. I don't know. Throw a red towel. Nah, I don't, I don't know. know. Well, you can't. You're not even legally supposed to be able to throw the towel in. Well, that's kind of. You should be able to protect your fighter. So I mean, well, it's that good. Is... I mean, the, the whole idea that you can't throw the towel in uh, because it's illegal. I mean, you're throwing the towel in because you want the fight to stop. So if you throw in the towel and commit a foul, it's stopping the action, and then you can stop the fight. So. I don't know. I always thought that was so silly. Don't do it in California, though. You won't get paid. That's true. Yeah. As Andy Foster outlined, uh, the DQ is the last resort because the losing fighter in a DQ does not get paid. Uh, no, no contest, not the same thing. That's crazy. It is. Uh, it was. Uh, I was unexpected to hear too. Yeah. That one cut, took me aback. Um, did you have any other things, kind of takeaways from Andy's time? I know you. You only watched part of it, I think, right? Um, I watched I'm... a good chunk of it. I think I had to miss part. I I joined in just a little late, and then there was a point where the feed cut out on their end. I don't know if they ever got Andy yeah. back, but I had to go. Um, I I had to I had to step away, so that's probably where I I stopped. They were talking about the you know the typical monthly ABC Zoom call that well, I, yeah, I like, normally like don't semi monthly. Yeah, yeah. I normally don't find out about it unless it's from you. Usually, I find out about it from you. Oh yeah, I find that out about you. it like a day before. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I I need a little more advance notice with these things because uh, the last one was on a date. It was like for date night. I was like, well, I can't do that. I would love to go, yeah. but I can't. But there, when you if when we do get a chance to sit down on them, they are. They're good. Yes, they're excellent. I, I recommend heavily, if you're a media member listening to this especially, please, please, please reach out to CSAC. Reach out to Andy Foster. Ask to be on the next call. You will learn something. Almost definitely you will learn something because this is your one chance to get actual working judges to talk out loud about the process of scoring a round or even potentially why they scored around the way they did. Sometimes this can come up. It is the only chance you'll get. Mm-hmm. And it's highly worth your time if you intend to learn anything about the sport you cover. Yes. All right. Moving on. Moving on. This is, once again, we don't have any live fights that we're talking about. So we decided to do some past judgment. Something we haven't done in a couple months. It's been a while. I think it was January last time we were doing it, sir. Okay. Because we've, uh, we've had a lot of fight weekend since then i think mm-hmm. the one break we did have uh what was it we were we did a we did a um we did a non fight weekend card as well i think we were, we were revisiting some sort of mm. was it data or i don't remember what it was possibly yeah these things blank on me i didn't bother looking it up ahead of time sorry sue me i mean the late the late where i pulled the uh the next part from was a figurito marino past judgment so I don't know when we did that one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so we're doing past judgment, which for those who, you know, maybe you're a newer listener, uh, what we do with past judgment is we look at past fights, right? We, mm-hmm. we go back and, and we kind of rescore it. Uh, you, you've got the whole spiel going. Why don't you do your spiel, sir? Yeah, the CSJ criteria, basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. We just made a few key changes. A 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the three Ds by a large margin. 
A 10-8 can be considered for just 1D, but should definitely be given when 2Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off 2Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. Basically what you were saying earlier. Kind of. Yeah. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happens in a fight. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of how we do it, obviously. And uh, we haven't done it in a while, I guess. But, you know, hopefully you guys are interested in kind of going back and hearing some of uh, a couple past fights that we pulled out, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually this actually did come up with you uh, over the weekend. It did? With... Uh... Josh Gross, he was talking half points, and then you you were mentioned. Yes, so yes, that's right. Josh, Josh, and I, uh, the the MMAJA president, Josh Gross, and I were discussing that in Twitter. Uh, yeah, he he's a big proponent of the half point system, which uh, we saw Nelson Hamilton kind of bring about as in a test case in California, or help help bring that about. I think he borrowed it from uh, someone else. Uh, along the way, I forget who it was in, in exactly, but it wasn't necessarily him coming up with it all on his own, if I understand right. Mm. Everything's iterative, right? But yeah, he he was kind of thinking, okay, maybe the half point system works. I just I I think fractions are one unwieldy, and two people are terrible at math. Uh, I I'm good at math, but I know most people aren't. We can't add whole numbers very well all the time, so maybe we stay away from half numbers. But I think that <laughs> how, how would they announce it? Like Bruce Buffer always announced the weight, weighing in at 155 and one half pounds. Yeah. Is it 28 and one half point? Yeah, I know. Duh. It just gets so awkward, and, and I think it's just, it's not right for it. I would rather, if they're going to go down that path, I feel like you just add more whole numbers after seven. You know, mm-hmm. right now we have nine, eight, seven. What if they went nine, eight, seven, six, five? The, the, all the way to four sounds really excessive. I feel like you only need six. Not, would be... I think nine, eight, seven, six. Yeah. If you're if you are are actually going to add different degrees, nine, eight, seven, six. I mm-hmm. feel like you can get there. Nine, nine's the really close round. Eight is the round that someone definitely won. Seven is the round that's like okay, now it's getting pretty lopsided here. And six is you know kind of that beat down. Yeah. You know. That's that's like the, you know, one, you know, probably two out of a hundred rounds is going to be that score, mm-hmm. something like that. But at least it's achievable, unlike the seven now, which is just useless. Mm. But anyway, um, that's that's the CSJ kind of getting back to it. So, yeah, we uh, we are starting with uh, Diego Sanchez and Takanori Gomi. Yeah, this is a fight we did not do yet, but I think, you know, I kind of was doing a little research trying to figure out, OK, maybe some some fights that we haven't done that maybe might be worth doing. This found its way onto my list because I want to say it was, it was one of those fights where people were calling robbery, robbery, robbery back when, you know, (laughs) no one does that nowadays, (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like back then, at least we we actually were seeing, you know, decisions that were so off base that they were potential robberies. So I said, okay, let's, let's revisit this fight. I didn't remember it very well. Um, this was at UFC on Fuel TV number eight. It was a main card bout under the Vanderlei Silva versus ben, uh, Brian Stan headliner on March 2nd, 2013 at Saitama Super Arena in Japan. Had a little bit of a, not a pride feel because it definitely looked like UFC, but it was at the pride venue. So there mm-hmm. was that. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should just score this as a whole. I think I said that during the fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Sanchez, he's coming to this one. He's 23 and five. Uh, record much better than it looks now. Uh, he had missed weight at 158 pounds. This was him coming back down to lightweight after going two and two at 170. So he hadn't quite gotten the cut back down, right? Uh, and his most recent fight was a loss to Jake Ellenberger 13 months earlier. That so was a good fight. Been a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Diego had a lot of great fights yeah. back in the day before he fell off. He obviously fell off, and the fights suffered in quality as well. But yeah, he was he was appointment viewing for quite a while. Uh, Gomi, he's 34 and 8. He had one two straight coming in, the latest being a fight of the night decision victory over Mac Danzig wow. four months before. That's a name. Mac Danzig, yeah. I know, I know. It's like that's why I kind of like past judgment, especially because yeah. we can we get to go back to all these fights for, <laughs> with like guys that we were watching, mm-hmm. you know, kind of when we got into the sport. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, look at that name. That's fun. <laughs> Everyone loves nostalgia. Uh, the judges for this one are Ben Cartlidge, Barry Foley, and Chris Watts, and the referee is Mark 
Goddard. Ben Goddard's been at this for a long time. Huh? Yes, he has. Yeah, yeah. This was early in his judging career, if I understand right. Um, but yeah, so round one, Dan, what is uh, what is happening in round one? Well, Diego seems to be pacing himself. He's allowing Gomi to, you know, to take the lead pretty much. Uh, Gomi's landing some pretty good strikes on the feet. I think Diego's coming up short on all of him, on all of his arm punches, not arm punches on on his punches that came from his arm. Yeah, <laughs> his kicks are landing, but I mean, there's nothing. Are they are they leg kicks? They are like no, no. <laughs> a leg kick is attacking the leg. I know, I know. I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, mostly body kicks he's throwing. Not not too many of them. Uh, I think his best work is when he does get a takedown. He's on the ground. He lands a couple good shots from uh, the top. But you know, Takanori Gomi's able to get back up pretty quick. Uh, later in the round, he gets another takedown and, and attacks an, a pretty good knee bar uh, briefly, but Gomi escapes. He's back on. I think Gomi's landing better shots on the feet, working the head and the body really well. I like it for Gomi 10-9. I also like it for Gomi 10-9. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I thought this was a reasonably competitive round, Yeah, to be honest. I mean, we've seen rounds where Diego gets the, the call because he's just kind of it looks like anyway he's just pushing forward and he's more aggressive and he's winging all these crazy punches that aren't landing and but it, you know maybe in the confusion it looks like he's getting it done i don't think that that was the case here no this seemed like a pretty reasonably close round and it just mm-hmm. happened to go gomi's way in my mind and in your mind and in the mind of ben cartledge he was the mm-hmm. lone judge who saw it for gomi so uh foley and watts had this one for sanchez but yeah i mean this really, and this this is actually the round that everybody was, uh, that really decided the winner, right? But I don't see this as any sort of even remotely close to a robbery round. I No, I don't think it's a robbery mm, round. I, I don't think so at all. So this already gets uh, debunked, I think. But we can at least look at rounds two and three uh, as, you know, hey, maybe our CSJ criteria changes them, right? So so what happens in round two? I think it's a very close round, round two. Mm-hmm. Uh, landed really good early. And uh, Diego landed good body kicks, and he landed some good punches in the in the second half of the round. You'll see Gomi; he gets backed up. He just completely resets. He has Diego pressed against the cage, gets hit with a shot, backs off completely, gets back into the center of the cage. I think I think that's indication. You know, these are good impact shots that are landing. Um, I do think Gomi did have good lands throughout. Uh, it's really close. I can see a case for Gomi, but I'm on Sanchez ten nine. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think that, and this realistically, this is probably why everybody's all, you know, bent out of shape over this fight because this is a round that, even though it went all to Sanchez, you can kind of see why. Hey, maybe Gomi was at least in this one, mm-hmm. and that maybe by, you know, like I said, kind of that pride scoring. If you look at this fight, uh, as I think we'll find in in round three as well, if you look at this fight as a whole, it really does seem like Takanori Gomi was the more successful fighter uh, in you know, in, in essentially winning the fight, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not how we do things. You know, pride died. Pride never died, but it died. <laughs> uh, it wasn't, it was not alive for this fight. You know, they were using the Western scoring, the MMA scoring from North America. And mm-hmm. as a result, you have round by round. And this is, this happened to be a close round that all three judges saw for Diego Sanchez. I did too, but I, you know, like I said, I can kind of see the other way mm-hmm. as well. It just, I, I think, there's nothing wrong with all three going for Sanchez here. So, you know, Cartledge actually has its tied now, 19 apiece. It's Foley and Watts who have it 20 to 18 for Sanchez, meaning, of course, Gomi really does need a finish at this point. If he had open scoring, he would know that. He would. Just saying. I mean, you know, there's no debating that aspect. And really it's, fu- it's funny because Diego starts around like he needs the finish. Yes, he does. He runs. He runs super fast. He sprints out, and then he just stops. And you know, it's like, okay, why'd you waste the energy? That's Diego. That's Diego for you. Uh, but yeah, so round three. What else is happening after he does uh, his little sprint? Thing? Well, I think this round is probably a round that can be can show, I guess, a flaw in our system a little bit. Because there's only how one, dare you? There's only one way to score this round. Okay, but there's no D's checked in this round. Uh huh. So it's just gonna be ten nine Gomi. He outboxes him the whole round. Sanchez really. Not able to get much off at all. A couple body kicks, but that that's it. Nothing. And then when the clacker goes off, Diego, Diego turns into the Diego of old and just starts winging. It goes crazy like for crazy. 10 seconds, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't see a way you can score this one for Sanchez, but I also don't see a way you can go 10-8 for Gomi. So it's just a 10-9. It's not a flaw in our system. It's just what it is. It's just a 9. I know, but we kind of push to the point where if you can only go one way, we kind of lean towards 8 typically. We don't. 
Yeah, but that's not how we because really have put it in practice, right? I, I, I would be okay with exploring that as a potential way to do it, but I don't think that's typically how we've been doing things in couchside judges scoring. System. No, but I think it's just that's like the way we like it. I think. Well, this is where this is kind of where I'm talking about. Where if you actually had, you know, nine eight, let's just you know say for example, you had nine eight seven six available, right? Mm-hmm. This would be a nine. But around or no, excuse me, not this not that this would be a nine. Round two would probably be a nine. Right. And that this would be an eight. And then of course you're still not meeting that kind of, you know, hey, this is a kind of a lopsided round at this point. It's it's just a it's a yeah, close, clear, you know, then it starts to get kind of lopsided after that. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, it's it's just a clear round for Gomi, but that makes it a nine in our right. system. Yeah. So you're saying that's a flaw. I, I kind of think it is a little bit. So what do you want? Do you want four numbers? Is that I don't, what you're no, saying? I don't want four numbers. You want just, seven numbers? I just say... 10-1 Diego. There's no Ds. That's it. That's mm. where I'm at. All right. Because when we when we announced the 10-9, it's a, it's a competitive round where no fighter checks off a D. Sure. This wasn't competitive. Yeah. But it so, also, what's what's an eight? Exactly. Yeah. What is what is an eight in our system? It's... uh, You can do it one D. Yeah. Yeah. But if you yeah, don't have it, true. then yeah, I think we've covered it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, that was that was a useless uh, thing where we just taught Dan how our system works. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess it all comes together. I... It's all right. That's all right, brother. But what I was going to say is uh, I can see 3027 Gomi a lot easier. Or I can see a case for that. You can get this. so I can, I, I you can think... get to thirty seven or thirty twenty seven for Gomi, probably no issue, easier yeah. than you can get to twenty nine twenty eight for Sanchez. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. But you can get to both. Yes, you can get to both. But I think that's probably where the robbery talk is coming. Yeah, coming from. Yeah, so. that. But that's always the way it is. You know, yeah. that, that's it's because people really want to see it through the way that they would like to see it, right? That, yep. that they almost feel like that the, the number of rounds earned should be commensurate to how their overall performance worked. Like if, mm-hmm. if they had like a dominant fight, it should be 30-27. But if it for some reason was a close, super close fight with all three rounds going one way, that makes no sense. It mm-hmm. should just be a 29-28 or it should be a split decision. Because it was a close fight, one of those judges should have seen it the other way. But that's not how it works. Right. That's just how people who don't understand how it works would like to see it work. Mm-hmm. And even that doesn't make sense. Like what, what's the point? If you want something that reflects what happened in the fight, it's not that it becomes a split decision. You you should be calling for more varied number scores. Mm. Like we're talking about, that's the fix. And that's the problem is in, in a lot of the conversations in mixed martial arts, especially around judging is people talk, they want the wrong thing. They get really passionate. They want something, but it's always the wrong thing. <laughs> it just direct your energies better. Like if, if you're mad about scoring because the judges are applying, you know, things that in the criteria that don't really line up with what you think they ought to be. Is that the judge's fault for doing what is he's told? Or is it the commission and the committees that come up with the rules fault for providing them with faulty language to work with or or language that doesn't match what your idea is even of what should win around yeah, your issues with the criteria the your issues with the criteria your issues with maybe the people offering directives in how to apply the criteria and that kind of thing you know pointing in one direction or another when we when we watch the nfl right you and i when we watch mm-hmm. fu- when we watch football on sundays and there's like the definition of the catch, right? We've been talking, we've been trying to figure out what a catch is for catch 25 years. Versus no catch needs to just stop already. That, I don't, I don't want to go too tangential I, with I, that. I, that's got to stop. I don't want to go too tangential with that. My point of bringing that up is the fact that do we get mad at the one referee who called that, or do we get mad at the fact that that is the rule and they're forced to work with it? I think most of us tend to complain about the rule we throw our hands up at the rule yeah this is a dumb rule you know we're not mad at ed hockley necessarily or Jerome no, well, you shouldn't get mad at, at ed hockley because he'll pop your head off he probably those would. biceps he probably would that's true although he seems like a man who's probably got it under control <laughs> so i think he's probably okay but but again my, that is my point though and that's why i didn't bring up baseball because you will get mad at that umpire because there's some <laughs> subge- subjectivity with a strike zone I when know. there shouldn't be it's a strike zone I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have brought it up. I knew I knew oh, yeah, it would trigger yeah. you. <laughs> you are definitely Angel triggered. Hernandez, how that man 
is still umpiring is crazy. He's got he's got the biggest strike zone and the smallest strike zone for somehow. I it's the most inconsistent strike zone I've ever seen. I back to fighting. Once I opened the can of worms of baseball, I knew Angel Hernandez's name was coming. I I pretty much almost designed that. Oh. But but yeah, so that that's my point though is that we in one sport we call about the rule and in another sport we call about the officials that are forced to utilize that rule. Football, not baseball. Uh, so that's the thing. I think we need to start understanding what conversations we really want to be having to get things changed. If you're just sitting there saying judging is broken, judging is broken, the judges are terrible, the judges aren't scoring the fight the way I think they ought to be. It's like, well, they're doing their job from the, from the athletic commission standpoint. They're doing everything correct. I hear Dominic Cruz is holding a support group for everyone who <laughs> believes that. <laughs> Oh boy, it's it's not at the Monster Energy Drink guy's house though. <laughs> That's not where he wants to have it. <laughs> well, anyway, this uh, this round going all the way back to Gomi and Sanchez. Round three, we both saw it for Gomi. Our scores both ended up being twenty nine twenty eight. That was the score that Ben Cartledge had because all three judges had this ten nine for Gomi. Except, unfortunately, like we mentioned, it was too late for Gomi because, unbeknownst to him, he had already. Uh, locked up essentially a loss without a finish or some sort of 10-8. So Foley and Watts had the 29-28 Sanchez scores. All right. Not a robbery. Not yeah. a robbery. Do Is this a situation where maybe the scoring criteria uh, wasn't nuanced enough to be able to give Gomi a victory? It was in 2013. Yeah. So it knows? probably wasn't then. I mean, it's probably the same thing happens now. I don't think the same thing happens. You're just, you're left at the mercy of how'd you score round one, which was close. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's why I think, you know, ultimately we want more accuracy in the numbers. I don't think fractions works, but maybe maybe there is some room for maybe going all the way to the six. I think we'll keep our scoring system as it is, but it's, yeah. worth, it's worth thinking about. Uh, you know, I, I think no options should really be ruled out until we figure out that it's actually stupid, not out of pocket, but because we've thought it through. You know, mm-hmm. it's too, the sport's too young. Let's figure things out. But that's it for this fight. We do have one more past judgment fight, the main event. The championship fight of the evening. We went all the way back, way, way back, 16 years ago back. <laughs> Rich Franklin against the Crow, David Loazzo. The way back machine. Way back in the way back machine, that's right, with uh, Peabody and Sherman. <laughs> love love me some Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, but yeah, this was the headliner of UFC 58. Like, USA like versus Canada, right? USA versus title? Canada, that's right. <laughs> Rich Franklin of, of the United States, uh, David Loazzo of Canada, with a very young Faraz Sahabi in his corner who planted a little kiss on his on his cheek mm-hmm. during the fight, which uh, well, we don't have to get into it, but I guess it surprised me. Are it's we the, sure that's not what that. swelled his eye? I, I thought that was there as a healing mechanism. Oh, okay. when my when my kids have a boo-boo, <laughs> I give them a kiss. I I read it the other way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, USC 58, uh, middleweight title fight, of course, March 4th, 2006, so almost exactly seven years before the previous fight we just did, interestingly enough. Mm. This first first week of March has actually always been a very big fight weekend, I feel like, for UFC. And we've done a lot of fights from this particular weekend for one reason or another. But this was at Madeleine Bay in Las Vegas, not in Japan. Uh, Franklin was 22-1. and He was the champion, making a second title defense. After knocking out Nate Quarry in about half a round uh, four months earlier, that was a crazy knockout. Oh, yeah. He's just flattened. Yeah, that was a star. Uh, Nate Quarry, yeah. Uh, Loazzo, he's 14 and four. He got here because he won a TKO by Dr. Stoppage. <laughs> I can't help it. Whenever I see Dr. Stoppage now, I only hear Conor McGregor. Yeah. Dr. Stoppage. Uh, I can't do the brogue, though. But uh, he, the TKO victory came over Evan Tanner, the former champion who. Rich Franklin had taken the belt off of. Mm. And that fight was five months earlier to earn him this title shot. Judges for this one are Nelson Hamilton, uh, Nevada's current executive director of the commission, Jeff Mullen, and Dalby Shirley, who I'm not as familiar with, but at this point in the UFC broadcast, they were showing the um, the mugshots, the pictures of all three judges, and uh, Dalby Shirley looked like a, a, one of the more advanced age judges that I'd seen. That was interesting. Uh, referee for this one is John McCarthy. Young John. Young John McCarthy. Big John McCarthy, but also young big John McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, 
this being uh, an older fight, we didn't usually have round by round breakdowns in these, so we don't know the individual scores. But I can say this: Rich Franklin won every round, so we'll spare you that much. We don't have to talk about every round who won. We're really in this whole fight. We're just assessing degrees of victory. This this is what we're trying to figure out. Yes. So round one. How big does Rich Franklin win? Well, yeah, well, it's it's all Franklin, but I think it's borderline 10-8 because Franklin, you know, he attacked the whole time, but he didn't really he didn't really get do- damage down, and and he was it was very intermittent ta- attacks, and mm-hmm. then he knocks him down basically at the bell, and that's what pushed it over for me to a 10-8. How how much did you kind of assess that takedown or that takedown? Excuse me, that knockdown because yes, he knocks him down, but I think really. We're not looking at just that, oh, he knocked him down. It's not boxing. It's, no. It's how much was he hurt? Do you think that he was you know, reasonably think, hurt by it, or is it kind of I like the cumulative that, action of everything with that He tip? was. I think he was definitely... I was borderline before it, mm-hmm. mainly because Loise is not doing anything. He's really. doing a lot of backing away. He's He is doing a lot of running. Legit. Not, not quite Caleb Starnes, although... I think Caleb Starnes was also Canadian, so <laughs> this there there was something about middleweights from Canada in the mid to late 2000s that for some reason they just didn't want to engage. It was it was more or less I needed I needed just a little more from Franklin and that final strike helped me get there. Okay, all right, yeah, I mean there's definitely at least high impact here, mm-hmm. even if you didn't have him like truly rocked. I think yeah, for me it was more that. It was kind of like the cumulative effect of, yeah, it put me over the top mm-hmm. with that last one. I don't know that I would have given the eight otherwise, but I, like you, did give this one a Rich Franklin 10-8 in our CSJ system. Mm-hmm. Round two, uh, what are we talking about here? Franklin clips him and wobbles him with a left right off the bat, and then he backs him all the way to the cage, drops him with a, an, another punch, heavy ground and pound. Throughout the round, he patiently whacks him with strikes pretty much. It, he's not really pushing hard for a finish. But he is picking him apart pretty good on the feet. Final 30 seconds, he slams him, takes the turtle position, just starts landing some ground and pound. Loizu did next to nothing in this round. So 10-7 Franklin. Yeah, I think the question I asked myself too while Franklin is dishing out one-way traffic is did did David Loizu do enough to avoid taking on only a 7? I don't uh, think he did. I don't think he did. I don't no. think he did. I, I, I feel like there is too much one-way traffic here. And I do think you've got some higher impact scenarios, higher, higher impact moments in this round. It's not the biggest of 10 sevens for our system, mm-hmm. but I think it I think it meets it. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm also on the seven. And so that puts both of our cumulative scores through two rounds at 20 to 15. Rich Franklin. It's uh, like the NBA playoffs. A lot of blowouts <laughs> so far. I mean, not that this is an insurmountable lead at this point in the fight. There's still three more rounds. You get three 10-8s in a row, which is entirely achievable in yeah, our system. It is. He can come back and win. Um, we already know he doesn't because all of these are Franklin rounds. But, yeah, what's what's going on in round uh, three? I suppose this is the most interesting round. I yes. Uh, a good start from Franklin. He gets a big slam, takes the back, lands some ground and pound, but more so he's looking for a choke, I think. He's not really throwing that many punches. Uh, fight gets stopped as they get to their feet, so Big John can check on, as Joe Rogan put it, the eye hanging off of David Loizer's face. Like a zombie. <laughs> like his whole form was just <laughs> decrepit and falling apart, so, but not really. Doctors, Doctor's like, no, he's good. We can go, so... As soon as they reset, you know, Loiza lands a big left hook. He has Franklin hurt pretty good. Follows him to the ground. He lands some good punches, but they get to the feet. Franklin recovers, and he uh, kind of just takes over from there a little bit. He hurts Loiza a couple times and just hits him with shots while Loiza's not really doing anything in return. I think Franklin steals it back 10-9. I do too, but I'll tell you, I was really torn in not going against the grain and giving this one to Loizo. Uh I don't think he hurt him that much. Is, I, I is really him, where I, I kind of backed away from. I thought he had him hurt pretty good. I think he did, but ultimately it wasn't enough that he couldn't have given up that lead. Because obviously you want to weigh the immediate impact, right? Mm-hmm. That's supposed to weigh more in mm-hmm. criteria that we're looking at in you know modern times. This was different then. It was, it was not defined necessarily the same way. So it's a little tougher for me to say how it ought to be for a fight that happened 16 years ago, right? Well, the thing is, Franklin it does still hit him with some good shots. He does. He does. Yeah, and and Loizu did what he did the first two rounds and not do anything for that period of the round. And ultimately, that's why I still ended up mm-hmm. seeing it the same way as you. I didn't go the other way, but 
I'll tell you, it was it was tough. It was close. You know, I, I feel like this was a really competitive round. Yeah, I I have to agree with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's it, it, at the very least now we've got a a David Loazzo who is not continually getting blown out of rounds. He's he's down thirty twenty four because we both have ten nine for Franklin here. Uh, we both have the same card. So now what we're looking at though is he needs ten sevens in the last two rounds. It's not really achievable. So he's really in in what would be finish mode if mm-hmm. one our scores actually counted for anything and two they actually used our scoring system. Yeah. So uh what's going on in round four? And 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 bear in mind too, we don't know I, I would have to think at least round two was a ten eight by all those judges. Well Eddie Bravo gave it a ten eight when yes. they did those live scoring. He things. did. Not that his so, score mattered either, no. but we know that this fight does contain some 10-8s from the judges, so mm-hmm. I think this a good chance that round two was one of them. I would say round three most definitely wasn't. No, it couldn't be. But uh, what's going on in round four? Now we get in the championship rounds. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much all Franklin again. It gets Louisa down on a slip, um, but you know he's down there and he takes the back, lands some solid ground and pound for a while. Franklin lands this crazy suplex where we both yelled pretty much after watching it because... We thought it was awesome. Uh, crazy suplexes are always fun in them. Yeah. Uh, on the feet, Franklin's landing really whatever he wants, and is not doing much of anything again. But Loiza isn't really hurt much in this round. I think Franklin could have pushed harder. And uh, I'm just on a 10-8 Franklin. One-way traffic. Yeah. Same thing here. I um I think this is pretty solidly an 8 mm-hmm. in our system. I don't think I, I'm, I it wasn't like a borderline case either way. I think this is kind of like that middle ground that we're looking for for our 10-8s. Mm-hmm. So I felt good with that one, and obviously that doesn't put Loiso in a very good situation. He's down forty to thirty-two in our system, uh, and I do feel like this is, you know, again, we've created a system where David Loazzo, he just can't win except for a finish over these last two rounds, and I think that's okay because he's already dug himself such a deep hole. This score reflects what we're watching. Oh, yeah. We're definitely. watching a fight that is way out of control. Um, we have a fighter in David Loazzo who's done a lot of, I, I mean, it was timid. You know, the actions mm-hmm. were that of timidity. And, and when they're not, he's getting lit up. So you can see why he would be a little more timid about engaging, right? Because he's not liking when he's yeah, getting back. He was... But yeah, 40, 40 to 32, I think through round four, you look at this fight and you say 40 to 32 and you're like, yeah, that actually adds up. Yeah, and, and Loizo's face is an absolute mess right now. It doesn't look great. It doesn't <laughs> look great at all. Uh, round five, though, it, what do we have here? Yeah, Loizo actually started this round pretty good. Landed a couple body kicks. I think he lands an elbow that had Franklin, I guess, worried that he might be cut. Right, He checks his head. Um, But after that, it's all Franklin. He gets an easy takedown, probably the easiest takedown. Very low impact, but just so, so easy. Uh, And just overwhelms him there with his grappling domination. Good ground and pound for the next, you know, three and a half minutes it's all franklin solid impact pretty much the duration of, of the round i that's i think it's all three d's ten seven i only went for this the eight here and i don't know if you think i'm off base or not but i just didn't quite think it got to the same level that we were seeing in like rounds uh round two excuse me where that was another ten seven in mm. our system i don't know why i just i, I guess I wanted some more, maybe I wanted more immediate impact, and maybe I just didn't quite think it got there. But I had no problem with you going yeah, seven. I guess. I think it's more borderline. I case. guess he doesn't he doesn't land anything of crazy impact really. Right. Like, but he is hitting them with good shots enough. Yeah, I think the cumulative effect certainly can get there, and that's why you know when you say a seven, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Mm. But. I don't know. I guess it just didn't quite do it for my understanding of our uh, admittedly amorphous kind of system, you know? Okay. It's, yeah, there's there's room for this. You know, this is very unofficial. This is more of an exercise than anything, right? Hopefully, yeah, so, some, hopefully some entertainment value. Yeah, so I think he gets domination pretty easily here mm-hmm. as, you know, Loiser's just completely defensive in every transition, completely overwhelmed. Of course, of course. Uh, and it for a long period of the round, so. So this is really the only round we diverged on. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, does does an eight pass muster for you? You think? Yeah, that's it's not, it's fine. Okay. I got yeah, because I mean, it, like you said, the damage is is probably the most suspect D of the three. Right there, which but is I, as we know, at least by the way modern judging works, that's the one that they view to be the most important one. Too. Yeah. So um, now this is our system. We can do what the heck we want. But it isn't but written in there yet. So. That's right. That's a good point. That is a good point. Um, although 
again, I, you know, this gets brought up sometimes. It's like, oh, they're misapplying the criteria because of the the mandates. It's still within the criteria because we're only talking about can consider. You don't have if, if there's all three D's there, they're given the eight. Right. If there's not all three D's, then that's where it's kind of can go either way. So a mandate could say yes. We want to see more of that Mm -hmm. or no, we don't. And it still matches the criteria. Nobody's doing anything wrong or, you know, illicit or anything like that. It's just it's more what the commissions want to see. I disagree very strongly with it. I I don't want to sit here and be, you know, defending that that's what we get. But they are within the language of the rules. Okay to do it. Yeah. Like it or not. Um, but yeah, so I have, like I said, this was an eight for me. So my final score is 50 to 40 for Rich Franklin. You had 50 to 39. Yep. So I believe that ended up tying the scores that we gave out for Khabib against uh, Ally Quinta. Okay. Which was our previous most lopsided scorecard in the CSJ system. And in terms of when we kind of came up with, uh, let's say, the the most modernly defined one and the best understanding of how judging really works, right? Mm-hmm. There's a few fights that I think we've, we probably could go back to Tyron Woodley uh, when he lost to Kamaru Usman. I think that'd be interesting to kind of go back and Ooh, say, yeah. okay, that where, where does that one sit? You know, if we're just, we're trying to establish kind of like the, the, the extreme base of how, lopsided scores can get in csj yeah i don't think there's a t- i don't think there's gonna be a uh, 50 35 i yeah i can't imagine there would be that would be that'd be something but you know maybe there's a 38 out there i don't know mm-hmm. that's why i picked this fight i thought it would be interesting to see if we could get there yep uh didn't quite but i mean for you i guess it did um the actual scorecards the ones that really mattered uh, doc hamilton and jeff mullen had this as 50 43 for franklin it was shirley who had a 5042. Apparently, you can call him Shirley. Okay. Um, he, he's one of those. But yeah, so 5042. That means he gave out, uh, presumably, he gave out three 10-8s and not a 10-7 along the way somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, but I'm going to extrapolate that he gave three eighths. So, which three? What do you think are like rank the rounds as far as what are the most likely that you think to have gotten eights? Two, four, five. In that order. Yeah. You mean not two, five, four? Oh, and what order of likelihood? Yeah. Two, oh, yeah, probably two, five, four. I, I think, think two is top, so. Yeah, I think two is so. easily the one that's def- That's a definite one. Maybe round one, I don't know. It could it could be round one instead of round four. Maybe. But probably round five was, was the second one. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. But, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to find that score one day. Maybe Nevada has it. You know who's in charge of Nevada? One of the judges who was on that fight. I bet you he'd know. There's <laughs> a decent chance he would know. Um, although he judged a lot of fights and he's got a lot of things on his plate, so who knows? That is it, though, for our two-pronged past judgment. I liked going back to this. I, I like the past judgment. It's just tough to work it back into yeah. you know, the weekly show at this point. Yeah, we've had so much to talk about. We should look into maybe putting up some of the past judgments on YouTube. Even yeah. just the individual past judgment yeah, part. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. We could look into that. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll spitball it. I've got some ideas, I guess. Um, yeah, that's it. Let's move on to right before we kind of close out here. Let's look ahead to this coming weekend with UFC Vegas 56. The LT event. With the headline. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Lawrence Taylor event. Yeah. Um, although, you know, without the baggage. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, Jairzinho Rosenstrike is going against Alexander Volkov at a heavyweight headliner, uh, which I, I want to say it was Caposa. I think I even said this last week, but uh, I want to say Caposa was the one who said that, yeah, it feels like they've done this fight as a headliner like two other times before. Because <laughs> it kind of does feel like these are just like a, well, we have no headliner, so let's just throw in one of these guys against somebody at heavyweight. And that mm. should work. People like heavyweights until they watch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they like them in the first round. And then they do. Gets less interesting. Yeah. The more longer it goes. So. Yeah, Rosa Strike's kind of weird because he, he's got some interesting finishes, right? But he's also had a lot of fights where he's just there's not a lot of engagement going on. It's very much a, a bland heavyweight fight. Yeah. It's I not can... because he's tired, it's because it's just the the patience the counter striking it's not really working i could see this being that fight yeah i'm very concerned about this one volkov's length may just give him fits yeah and i I think uh volkov decision here if if i had to bet on it okay i could see that 
I'm not making picks anymore. I'm gonna That's leave right. That to you. Scott is no longer a picker. I'm off the picks. I'm off the picks. <laughs> Some, sometimes I'll go on, you know, podcasts or or be requested to do something for like, you know, a uh, word or media picking with a fight. And maybe I'll do that for some fights, but if I can avoid it, I'd rather do that. This I is I don't want to make picks. This anymore. is also like 12 days before the fight card. What are you talking? This is set, this is <laughs> Oh yeah. This is 5 <laughs> days before the fight, sir. Okay, yeah. My so, bad. obviously Which is th- still a long time because the fight card could change it. it that's right. So <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And we would probably have to re record this at some point if <laughs> so you would never hear this. If you're listening to me talk about this, then you know you got the fight that we were asking yes. for. Uh, at least as of Monday, uh and Memorial Day. Judges, of course, will be the typical Nevada judges, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Salamato, Derek Cleary, Mike Bell, Junichiro Camijo, all these folks yeah. I'm sure we'll see. I wonder if, wonder if they're maybe the holiday weekend they got a they got plans. Yeah. Maybe we'll see some. Yeah, their plan is else. go to Vegas. That is always a good plan. I can never fault that plan. Mm-hmm. That's that. You know, you made a great point there. That's yeah. I'm pretty sure I appealed to your sensibilities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other fights you're interested in on this one? Because yeah. obviously the headliner is not the most attractive. So you probably need something else to get your get your yeah, juices flowing. I like I like Dan Ige versus um, Officer Evlov. Okay. Interesting fight there. I think Evlov's uh, undefeated. Evlov's he, earned this fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Ige's coming off two losses, so it's kind of, you know, put up or shut up, I think. It a is. Bit, yeah. So. This is this is his, like, kind of got a... Not that he's had bad losses, but it's it's very tough to justify in a very tough division like Featherweight yeah. that if, if you're not going to be winning these fights, you're going to get passed by. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm interested in that one. I, I feel like this one's destined to go three rounds. That That one feels right. Uh-huh. I'm, not ma- I'm not making an actual fight pick as far as the winner, but it certainly looks to me like it's neither one of these guys is going to be able to get the other one out. Yeah, this is, this will be a interesting one. That, that's how I feel. Uh, I'm also interested in who, uh, who I spoke to for last week's uh, Q&A with the New York Post, the post-fight interview, Aaron Blanchfield going against J.J. Aldrich at Flyweight. Yeah, I like this fight. They're both... Uh... I read your article. Your Q and A, yeah, yeah. Did you uh, enjoy it? I did, and I, I agree with Blanchfield saying they're both two, two on the cusp of the the top fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever wins probably breaks through. So, fun fact: Aaron Blanchfield went to high school in the town where I live right now. Okay. And during the time where I lived there, and we had just moved here and everything, so okay, I probably could have walked past her at some point when her and a bunch of the kids were coming out of school. And sure enough, now I'm now I'm writing a batter and we're watching a fight. She's, yeah. It's a strange world, <laughs> and I'm just old. Is really what it is. It's what it is. I'm just getting old now. Little uh, hometown bias there. There you go. Uh, no, 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 certainly not. I mean, you know, it, we, I we, would. I enjoyed the time to speak with her. I love uh, my Jersey folks. You know, I love Jersey. Um, but you know, having said that, you know, it's it's my job to stay as impartial as I can. So you know, I'm interested in this fight. I think Aldrich is a very tough uh, woman. Her her record, I think, is would surprise a lot of people because I feel like she's someone who's like very you know knows the grindstone type of career. But then you look at her record; she's eleven and four overall, but she's seven and three in the UFC. That's pretty good. That's a good record for the yeah. UFC, especially among women. I think there haven't been as many that have compiled that type of record. We're seeing more of them now. We've had some women who've been in here almost ten years. Yeah, I think she could. I mean, there's probably a case to be made that she won the Bainzo fight too. Yeah, that was a split. Yeah, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. That was uh in our in our proto yeah. stage of this show. <laughs> that was a fight that we were talking about. Yeah, I remember that. I probably had stronger feelings then. You were very mad. <laughs> yep, and it was with a certain judge. We don't even have to yeah. mention names. I think people can figure it out, but we'll 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 spare that just because there's no need to do that right now. I think we're I better would... educated than we used to be. I was just checking her record to see if she had a Hannah Cyphers fight or not. Seemed like everyone beat up on Hannah Cyphers <laughs> at some people, point. A lot of people during the did, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is unfortunate because I, I, I feel like Hannah Cyphers is still a talented fighter. She just there's a, a giant hole in her game, and just about everybody can take advantage of it, and that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. It's yeah. There's a meritocracy once you get in there. But that is it. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else that I'm super interested for this card as well. I think Felice Herrick is fighting on the card, and I was kind of shocked to see that. It's like she still fights. Interesting. Yeah, you don't hear much about Felice Herrick anymore. That is true. So, all right. That's that's about it for this one, right? I think that's it. I'm I'm much more excited, obviously, for the pay per view the following week. But yeah, this we will, is we will this talk is, about that later. This is kind of like a uh, 
vegetable platter appetizer yeah. of a card, really. Now, obviously, we're in the middle of this is Memorial Day when this episode comes out, but we're recording ahead of time. Did you have any Memorial Day plans coming into the weekend? Yeah, I'm going to CFFC Friday. Right. Or okay, I went on Friday. That. Yes. And then. Well, so, we assume you did. Maybe you didn't. Maybe Saturday, there was a snowstorm. Saturday in, uh, in May. Barbecue and pool. Okay. Sunday, nothing. I don't know. There's a parade in town. Go to the parade. So parades are pretty cool. I love parades. I really yeah. don't. I actually really don't. <laughs> I'm I'm like kind of anti-parade. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're so boring. They're so boring. It's just watching a bunch of things go by at slow speed. Yeah, I feel that, yeah. You know what would be a cool parade? Like a high-speed one. Zing. And I'm not saying people and everything, like that, but like just have like a bunch of race cars drive by. <laughs> Or, like, even just go to English Town and watch the drag racing there. Okay. How about that's my parade? All right. Just watch them for 10 seconds at a time. All right. Fair enough. I like that. That does it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. Please enjoy Memorial Day. Remember why we celebrate. Do not forget the veterans who uh, fought in wars and lost their lives for this country and for fighting things like fascism and terribleness around the world. Correct. Correct. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.